Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Home and Away. I am Drew Vanderplug, joined once again, as always, by my good friend Cody Welton. Good Cody. afternoon, good evening. Good afternoon, good evening, good night. All those yeah, things. All those things. We're signing off. No, not really. <laughs> um, we're back for another edition. Um, and, you know, not everything is terrible. No. I guess, you know, a zero zero draw, I, I, I don't know if it's like kissing your sister, but I mean, it's not like. The way this team's been playing, you know, I'll I'll take a shutout as as Peter said during the during the press conference uh, when asked yeah. about the defensive performance. Shutout. What else do you want? I mean, <laughs> it's so, better than a three one loss. That's for yeah, sure. It absolutely is. Absolutely is. So um, I, I made a joke in the rundown here, and I said SKC lose to Columbus zero zero. Um, kind of like you know the England lose to the USA one one. Um, <laughs> I. I I don't know. I, I'm being a little tongue in cheek with that one. I, I think that it was an improved performance in a number of areas. It was not improved to somewhat reductive in some other areas. So yeah. we will uh, we'll get into those um, those areas as we as we talk about the match and and what we are what we saw and what we hope to see. Um, first things first. Um, news of the week: um, Nicolas Isimat Marine is gone for. At least a month, probably a yep. month to two. Um, fractured face required surgery, also a concussion. Most of the reporting I've seen is that he's um, more likely to suffer concerns getting back on the field and training because of the concussion than necessarily the broken the broken bone in his face because he can, you know, he can wear one of those face masks if necessary to get back on the field. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's more of a concern about the concussion recovery and if you got hit head to head hard enough to break a bone in your face. Yeah. Um, likelihood is that concussion is pretty bad. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm sure most people know, I mean, concussions are, are just really, really um, um, weird, you know, and, and a lot of times they can take uh, a long time to come back from. It really is just, you know, dependent on, uh, on the person. And, you know, I've known players who, who, you know, went, you know, were diagnosed with a concussion and were uh, back in pretty short order a couple of weeks uh, because they were able to, you know, recover in, in, a, in a quick space of time. And I know players, I know players who it's honestly just ended their career, like in high school, just, just, you know, They've just been unable to recover from concussions, especially multiple ones. And so, you know, best wishes to him. And uh, I hope uh, I wish him a a quick recovery. Well, maybe that's a good point to just kind of, you know, sidebar for a second. This is something that I know in the youth game, they've been trying to get a better handle on for a while, the head to head collisions. And I know in the women's youth game, they're not allowed to head to a certain age. Even in even in uh, even in in boys. And boys, they're not they're not allowed to head the ball until a certain age. Exactly. Um, This is the type of contact that unfortunately occurs regularly in professional football. It just does. And I don't know what the right way is. I mean, is this an IFAB thing where they've got to legislate against it better in the rule book? Because I I understand that like it's an it's an international rule set, right? Like everyone is using basically the same rules, you know slight iterations for who's using VAR or not when they implement it, slight iterational changes based on substitutes and things of that nature. But when it comes to head to head collisions, those types of infractions or interactions are not legislated in the same way that a bad tackle is. Um, And it's always been that way. 
Yeah. And I don't know if this is something that IFAB has to consider and think about more. I mean, they did the con- the concussion sub, right? Yeah. The, con- the concussion sub protocol is available, although I don't know that I've ever seen it been used. Ever. Uh, I, I, I know that I've seen it used, uh, but I can't tell you when it was, I've seen it used probably, you know, two or three times in, in, okay. the, in the professional game. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not commonly used, no. let me put it that way. And, um, you know, when you consider that head injuries are a significant concern with professional football, like it happens a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, concussion, it, it's just, it makes me think about, is there a better way for them to address this kind of thing? Because, and Keg Bay is late here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's viewed as a 50-50. Yeah. And uh, Nate Bucati made a really good point about this on the SK, on the Sporting KC show. So if you listen to that, he he, he kind of, I wouldn't call it a rant, but he made a fairly salient point about this. Um, recklessness doesn't require intent, right? If Absolutely. you make a reckless challenge it, and, and it, doesn't, miss, it doesn't with other kinds of fouls, you know? Right. Exactly. So, um, you know, if you miss a tackle and cleat somebody, you're going to get a card of some kind, depending on how bad and did you endanger the safety and all those kinds of things. Yeah. It's fairly clear here that EC's safety was endangered. Yep. I agree. So, you know, he wins the header and then is, you know, has his face broken. Yeah. So I, I just think that there's some opportunity here for them to take a look at this a little deeper because, like you said, concussions can ruin someone's career. Yeah. Um, in, in, I, in pretty short order. It's, you know, I mean, Beasler's yeah. been very open about the fact that mm-hmm. his recovery from that big concussion, right? At, was it the 2019 Gold Cup when it happened? Yep. And he, he struggled after that for a long time. Well, the um, thing is, 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 you know, as we've learned from the NFL too, I mean, even if you, even if you seem okay in the short term, you can have really severe long-term uh, impacts to your life. And, and so, you know, I, you know, it would be great if, if uh, the professional game would start to take it uh, as seriously as maybe it's begun to be uh, taken in, in the youth yeah. game. I don't know if there's something specific that MLS and pro can do here. I mean, I don't within the rule set that they use, if they're allowed to make those modifications, I, I heard this sort of correlation to the NFL. The NFL has done a lot of things and the college football, uh, you know, American football game has done a lot of things with targeting and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And, and intent doesn't matter in those circumstances either. Yeah. They want people to actively avoid those types of hits. Yep. And um, but they're able to make those changes because no one else is playing that sport outside yeah. the United States, right? You can you can implement those changes because you're basically it when yeah. it comes to that. No one else, you're not responsible for a you know a global sport um, that's being played in literally every country yeah. um, at some professional level. So I, we can I think, we can implement it in the college game. I mean, if you can have yeah. a clock that counts backwards, you can totally implement this. You know, give me a break. Certainly in the college game. I, I just I I. But the, this is the problem, right? Um, the guys the, in, involved in this um, in this you know coming together are French and, and Kimbe yeah. is African, right? Mm-hmm. Of some of I don't. I'm sorry, I don't know off the top of my head what his nationality is, but there are you know those guys come from different areas. Yeah. So like when you've learned to play the game a certain way, sometimes it's hard to, you know, that, that's great if we do that in college and we do that in our own youth levels. The, I think IFAB's got to do something here if you're going to make it go away at a larger scale. You know, and, and uh, another another thing just to mention is, uh, you know, um, 
at least in my experience with uh, with youth soccer, be it at at you know in the club level or at high school level, um, w- kids are rarely taught how to properly head balls. And I mean, like, even at very high levels, they're just rarely taught, you know, because there is, you know, there's a proper technique and a, and a way to do it that it, that helps you and and that helps prevent you from injury. This is, and this is probably the most frustrating thing about this coming together from EC and Ikenbe is EC is heading correctly. If you watch this play, he squared his shoulders. He's got mm-hmm. his neck yeah. up and his head in exactly the right position to head it. And Ikenbe is late coming from the side and just throwing his head at the ball, Yeah, which is not the correct way. Correct. Hit a ball, yeah, and and that's why this ends up going the way it does. But you can watch EC like set his feet, his shoulders, everything. It's perfect technique for heading the ball away, yeah. and he wins it. And then he gets cleaned out by someone who's not. And he spent a lot for doing it the right way, right? So now now he's uh, now he's out for you know. Yeah. A, a significant amount of time and uh, he's penalized and and uh, his his well-being and his ability to you know make a living or put at risk and um, and that's not even you know to mention the 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 tough spot that it puts the club in yeah so it, it is um, obviously unfortunate uh, all, we all of course hope that um, he recovers well and it is not something that hampers his ability to play long term yeah um, um, but yeah at, at if at face value, we're talking four to six weeks, probably on the low end, um, before he's going to be, you know, fit for any type of, prof- you know, in-game minutes. Um, so maybe, so maybe him and Kinda are back around the same time. Yeah, who knows? I mean, Kinda, he's still out on the injury list. I saw it today, and I mean, I if he's back before the June international break, I'm going to be surprised. Ah, really? Um, speaking of which, quick sidebar. U.S. Men's National Team versus Uruguay. I know. At I got, Children's I got Mercy that, Park. I got the email today. I was pretty excited. I didn't realize I got, it, that was happening until I got that email. So I knew that they were talking about playing Uruguay. I did yeah. not know that it was going to be in Kansas City. Yeah, that's so, really great news. Man, you want to talk about a test? Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. Uruguay is really good. They're yeah. a fantastic team. They've got some older players that you know we all know, Luis Suarez, Edison Cavani, and those kind of guys, but they have a ton of really young, fun yeah. players. Yeah. Obviously, I love Rodrigo Bentancur. He plays for Tottenham, but you've got, you know, um, Jose Jimenez, who is a very young quality center back for Atletico Madrid. You've got... Um, who am I? Lucas Torreira, which who is with Arsenal and has most recently been with Fiorentina on loan, has been playing very well. They've got some really fun young players. Oh, Darwin Nunez, also like a really young uh, but very promising striker. So they've got some they've got some talent for yeah, sure. Going to be fun, and it's 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 going to be fun. I'm very much looking forward to going to that game. That's going to be very cool. Um, all right, back to the Sporting Kansas City talk. Um, you know, so the game against Columbus. Um, you know, Peter railed uh, against LAFC uh, at the end of the LAFC match about how there was poor defensive mentality. And you, and then, you know, we heard all the stuff in the midweek about you don't have to be talented to be a good defender. You just have to have the right mentality. And, I, you know, we'll, we'll quibble with the way that he phrased it. I think you have to have a skill set to be a, an effective quality defender. And that takes learning and time. Uh, maybe you don't have to be especially talented at a certain skill to be able to do that. But you do need to have the understanding and the, you know, sort of the wherewithal to yeah. be a defender. And you need um, to be able to read the game. Most yeah. importantly, that's the, absolutely and, the most important thing. And I, and, I think that's a skill personally, but you know, 
Exactly. But I, I, I don't disagree with you. But I think that um, what we did see last Saturday is Courtney Ford had that defensive mentality that Peter was looking for. Right. When he says mentality, Courtney Ford epitomized it in the way that he played in that game. I'm, I mean, you can listen to any podcast that covers Sporting Kansas City, any articles, any, you know, anything you want to read or hear about when it comes to this past week. Courtney Ford was obviously the shining light of that match. He was very involved. He was using his athleticism to make recovery defensive actions that were really important say what you want about, you know, him needing to make recovery slide tackles in certain circumstances, they were necessary to stop attacks from happening. And he was successful in, in completing them. Uh, the sliding block very early when shallowly had that bad giveaway was really, really important. And um, he, there, there's, there are things that happened that, that he was just really, really good at putting out fires. And that's not something we've really had. Yeah. Um, at least in that way. No, I would um, say we I would say honestly we haven't had it. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean I, I was I was gonna quibble I was gonna quibble a little bit with EC because I think that his game is a little harder to see because he's more of a like block interception sort of step in the right yeah. lane, be in the right place right. kind of guy. He's a, he's a keep the game in front of him type yeah, player. Yeah, whereas, no. whereas Courtney Ford is um, much more, he jumps off the page a little more because he does more athletic things, Yeah, how he plays the position. Um, but the stats bear it out, and I'm not going to repeat them all. Listen to the Sporting KC show. Jacob Peterson goes through it. But his, I mean, it was like 12 to 17 duels he won. A bunch of aerial duels that he won, like six aerial duels won or something like. I mean, it was insane. His it, it the numbers were kind of nuts and deserved to be team of the week and all those kinds of things. But it goes back to what um, we have been talking about for several weeks now. He is the type of player that they've needed on this back line for a hot minute. Yeah. Like, it, it, and to me, it was fairly clear against Chicago that he was that type of player. I understand that not everyone thought he had the greatest game against Chicago where he was playing on the right side of a back three, but part of that, and he talked about it in his interview with Nate and Allie was that he in a back three, when he's on the right side of a back three, he can be a lot more aggressive. Mm -hmm. He can get up field. He can do more things when he's in a back three than he can when he's in a, he's in a, you know, a quote unquote, three center backs versus two. He, he can make those kinds of, um, aggressive runs that look a little different. And I, what I noticed was when he would be aggressive and get up field and try and get into the midfield and do something that his ability to recover was really good. And he put out a couple fires in that match, regardless of whether or not all of the stats jumped off the same way. I think when he is in a, when he is in a back four and a pair of center backs, he's got more opportunities to have defensive actions because he's deeper. Whereas I think he also he also he also has a mentality, you know, he has a he has a much more sort of aggressive and physical mentality and a little bit of nastiness. And, you know, he's not afraid to he's not afraid to, you know, go in and, and uh, make a hard tactical foul. And uh, I think that that, you know, that's something that um, that we've been asking for for a while as well. And um, it, it, you need you need a player like that on your team, whether it's at the six or whether it's, you know, one of the center backs, you need somebody who can, who can, um, you know, put out fires and, 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 you know, kind of, kind of, you know, 
kind of make other players fearful of him, you know, someone who's not afraid to go in and, and, and be physical and be assertive. You know what I felt? He was hungry as hell. Yeah, totally. You could tell. Absolutely. And he wanted, and he wanted to earn his next start at that position. And I think with EC being hurt, that's going to manifest itself. Obviously. I mean, I'm not sure that Courtney would want it to be that way, but he's going to take that opportunity. And that part of it, if you hear Peter talk about the mentality a lot, that part of the team has been a little missing. A lot missing, I would say. I mean, that's the intensity, uh, yeah. the, you know, the, the real, like the drive, mm-hmm. the sort of like, I'm going to grab this and take it and do something with yep. it. That part has been a little bit missing. We I mean, for, for years, folks. for years that, you know, Roger Espinosa supplied that on that because he had more, he had more than, more than enough for the whole team. And he, and he supplied that, you know, that, that mindset, but you know, he is not that player anymore. And, you know, Johnny, you know, Johnny is that player to some degree, but you know, he's also, you know, a right wing and you, you need somebody in the middle of the field uh, who has that mentality, who, who is, uh, who, who has the, the, you know, the, the mindset that they're going to dominate physically. And, uh, you can, I mean, it's, it's a huge difference and it jumped off the field or, or off the television for anybody who was watching. For sure. Um, I would say, you know, um, next to him after EC goes off. So I, I was certain that like, oh, man, EC's hurt. Here we go. It's back to Fontas. Yeah. And immediately Peter turns around, points at Robert Bolliter. That is how his name is pronounced. I, he was on the uh, Shades of Blue show this week and he called he pronounced it Bolliter. So he points to Ro- uh, Robbie we'll call him Robbie because that's who he likes to be called and he's like get ready go go we got to be ready Fontas just hanging out on the bench <laughs> um and I just the only reason I bring that up is I mean Volader was perfectly fine he was a little shaky for about 10 minutes he looked about as shaky as he did for the 10 minutes against LAFC at the end of the match because he's just obviously got no game time yeah at all but once the game started going and he could get into a mode of playing soccer, perfectly yeah. fine. I wasn't going to, I wouldn't say that he was fantastic by any means, but he was perfectly fine. He dropped a dime on that play that where Remy Voltaire should have got a penalty. Yep. Like that pass was beautiful. Yeah. And absolutely just perfectly weighted ball. Um, he hit a couple passes like that that mm-hmm. I really like. So he well, does have. They they were trying they were both trying those kinds of passes direct both passes the center, both of the center backs so so direct but diagonal passes and you know if you if you look at their uh, at their passing maps you can see the intent is there I mean m- most of them did not come off but the intent is there to pass from the right to the left channel or the left to the right channel yep. uh, so that's you know I mean that's that's something right that's something that that you know that hopefully they can build on and work towards. I would not be upset at all to see these two center backs start. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean they, they have to be given a chance. They have to be given a chance to develop a rapport, you know, to develop a partnership. And, um, you know, the team's not good. You don't, I mean, <laughs> you kind of, at this point, you don't have much to lose, in my opinion. You might, as, you know, you, you might as well let these guys, you know, sort of, you know, fill each other out and see if they can, uh, if they can, you know, make a, a partnership that, uh, that, that works on the field uh, on a consistent basis. Cause he, you know, I, I always kind of felt like, like I, I felt like we were starting to see maybe glimpses of a partnership uh, between, uh, um, uh, between um, uh, AC and, and, Fontas. and Fontas, but you know, it's, 
I don't know. I never was like a hundred percent convinced with them. Right. I mean, uh, they, they, they would compliment each other, uh, pretty well most of the time, but then there were always times when, you know, they, you know, one of them would get caught too far away from one another. And then, uh, they weren't, you know, I think backing one another up, uh, the, the way that they needed to. Um, and so I was never, I was, it was, I was always lukewarm on that, uh, on that relationship. And, uh, and so, you know, I would love it if we could have, you know, a pair of center backs who, um, who, again, who could, who could really, uh, have a, a, a partnership that was productive and, uh, and most importantly, like I said, consistent. Well, and it's sort of instructive with Fantas that his best season was with Elie next to him most of yeah. the season. They obviously had a very solid partnership. They came up from a, the same system. They played together in, in Barcelona. Um, and they had, you know, just an understanding of each other yep. that worked. And I honestly believe the reason that one of the reasons Fantas played so well last year was Elie was next to him. And they had the communication down and they knew each other's movements really well. And EC did not play much last year. And when he did, he's a totally different center back than the way Elie mm-hmm. was playing it. And, but I, I will also say he's not like people keep saying, well, he's an athletic center back. No, he's, he's not. not. That, he's not that much. He's not, he's not really he's physical, uh, but he's yeah, not, and not like, he's not like the super fastest guy in the world, you know? No, he's not. He's not. He's not. He's, and, 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 and you know, I have my own concerns about why people say that he is that player. Right. <laughs> I think it's melanin related and I'm a little bummed out about that. But yeah. the fact of the matter is he's not that player. Yeah. And um, but Courtney Ford is mm-hmm. he is that type of player. So um, I, I think that there's some, you know, some uh, Courtney's going to have some opportunities for the next couple of weeks for sure. Yeah. Um, exciting, especially given, given how well he played. Yep. Last week. I, I And the fact that he has MLS experience and he's 26, right? Like we're not talking about a young kid. I, I'd be highly surprised if he wasn't starting. Um, whether it's Volador or Fontas remains to be seen. I thought it was instructive that Volador was where they went. Yeah. I, 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 it was obvious that that was the person getting punished by Vermees was Fontas. And I, I doubt he played himself out of contention, right? So, um, you know, I would, yeah. I would, I would be, uh, I would not be surprised if he started this weekend. You know, Peter goes hot hand. Yep. If he likes, if he, he gets does. a performance he likes, he's going to go with it. And mm-hmm. it, you know, these guys had a shutout. So, yeah. yeah, it was against Columbus, who, let's be honest, was not dangerous. <laughs> um, <It was> like... <laughs> but, <laughs> and uh, this matchup against Dallas is very bad for Sporting. It is extremely bad. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know. But, but, but you know, you would feel better about it with with uh, a pair of uh, more athletic um, and mobile center backs. Yeah. Um, and also guys who keep the, you know, the average age of the back line under 30. Yeah. Well. Um, even with Zussi out there at 35. Um, I think the next next oldest person on the back line would be Ford at 26. Yeah. So. Um, I think that, yeah, it, it, you're going to be doing a lot of chasing against Dallas. They're going to try to counterattack. They have very active wingers and a true well, like false nine, if you want to call them that, mm-hmm. like a combiner at, at their at center forward. So it's going to be a struggle <laughs> for them. Um, and so I think that, yeah, having some guys who can run that stuff down will be good. Um, that's for later. Um, I don't know what's going on with Fontas, if he's going to keep playing or not, but this seems to be the beginning of the end, unless he really tries to figure something, unless he really starts getting after it. 
Yeah. And I, I don't know what his hunger level is to try and get back into the lineup. I'm sure. I mean, he's a professional soccer player. He doesn't want to be sitting on the bench and I'll be, and um, he was from all I could see very active on the bench and really like getting involved and like trying to push people in different places. So he was being a good teammate, um, which is good, but you know, who knows what the long-term has uh, in store for him. Okay. Um, Let's try not to spend too much time in this because we have spent a lot of time on this. Um, but Kyrie Shelton and Roger Espinosa, I, I don't know what to say anymore about this topic. We are we both love Roger Espinosa. He should not be starting for this team anymore. Just period. Yep. Kyrie Shelton, if he is going to be starting, he needs to be starting at the winger position. Agreed. He is he is ineffective as a center forward period end of story we have nine games he hasn't played all nine but he played like seven and a half yeah we have enough of a sample size here yeah i am not going to hear this nonsense about oh they played nine different lineups in nine nine games yes that's technically true but the forward line has been fairly static for the last six of them yeah and he's not, he's not lighting it up regardless of who he's playing with right so, he's not lighting it up he's not getting he's not getting uh, he's not having dangerous passes he's not getting assists he's not he's getting in the way it, of the guys yeah. that are doing stuff you know if you, if you look at if you look at what he's doing well you know what he's doing well is is you know a little bit of hold up play in the middle of the field short passes there and then pressing and that's really it you know and um and there needs to be a lot more uh from that position he was much better in this game than he was in the previous two games. His pressing was much better. Yeah. He was much more active. He wasn't shut off like we had seen in the previous two games. So I did like to see that. The effort was there. But there was nothing. I mean, Sporting had three shots. Yeah, that's three. That's just that's just ridiculous. At home. Everyone at, at home. At home. Against, against a team that's not very good. So give me a break. Yeah, I, I, and I promise you, he would tell you just as much as anyone else on that team would tell you that that's not good enough. That's just not good enough from an offensive production perspective. There were a lot of things that I liked about this game, and I, I sort of, you know, jokingly tweeted about it. You know, defense. You know, um, you know, Courtney Ford's playing good. Recovery defending is pretty good. The rest defensive position was pretty good. The build up positioning was pretty good. Treating the opponent's 18-yard box like it's filled with alligators is yeah. bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if I, you if you look at the passing, it's there's like nothing going on. It's it's really amazing how how few passes are, um, and even even passes that aren't completed. It's amazing how few passes are actually going into two key look, passes. Look, so that two. <laughs> that is that is one thing that that you know Fontas, uh, to his credit, tries to do is pass the ball you know into the box, um, but you know like like. Whether it's Roger or whether it's uh, Voltaire, our our uh, our eights are not doing it. They're not doing it, and um, and that means you know they're also not getting the ball in it to the wingers in dangerous areas, and the wingers aren't getting into the box. They're not getting the ball into the box. It's just it's just an exercise in futility, and it's really frustrating to watch. There's no ball progression, just zero. They they get into to the, there's no ball progression into the final third. Right. Yeah. Right. They they just, get like yeah. camp in the middle of the field and there's a, there's a there's an old joke and I know some you know this is an old thing like but 
Bill Simmons back in the day used to make fun of Andy Reid when he was at the Eagles, and he would he would call the um the 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 area of the field between the twenties the Reid zone. <laughs> because he his his teams were fantastic mm-hmm. there and as soon as they as soon as they crossed the 20 yard line just absolute trash i think and, we had another thing that was like that like the clogged toilet offense or something yeah, and that, that kind yeah. of fits too you know it's just nothing nothing happening nothing going nothing going where it needs to go I mean, we know that Andy has gotten much better at that, although his still his clock management, his understanding of yeah. how to manage the ball inside the red zone isn't the greatest. But um, he's still gotten a lot better at that. Having Patrick Mahomes helps. But I, I would say that um, this is what I'm feeling like. Like, everything's great until you get to – yeah, they get all the way up to zone 14, yep. and then it's just like, what do we do from here? Like, just nothing. And they don't have progressive passers. They just don't. So, so I think part of that is, is the way the squad is built. It's not built or coached to, uh, to have that sort of direct progressive, uh, passing, um, in, in years past, um, the, the, the things that we're talking about, the, the movement into the box was accomplished by quick passing and, and, and switching the ball, long switches of the ball, um, and sort of, you know, rearranging the defense that way. And then attacking defense in those sort of, you know, trans those sort of horizontal transitions. Uh, but that's not happening. Like they're not, they're not passing the ball very quickly. Um, and they're definitely not, you know, trying to put people in, um, in the box and you don't, you know, you don't you don't have to do that. Um, you don't have to play like you know beautiful like you know you know free flowing you know you know short passes you know and and you know Arsene Wenger your way into the into the goal. You don't have to do that, but you do have to take chances. You do have to get the ball in the box. Uh, I'm happy that they're not crossing the ball into the box you know 20 times a game uh, because that's not uh, a recipe that the team is uh, is set up to 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 execute. Uh, but they're they're like allergic to to taking chances and putting the ball in the box and um, and that has to change because you don't score um, if you don't do that. You know, you don't even create chances and they're not creating chances over and over and over again. The passing was just too slow. Yeah. It wasn't that they weren't moving the ball into an area where they could build from. It's just, they're too slow. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the number of times I saw Peter like waving guys up and like, go, go move more quickly. So this isn't an instruction problem. This is a player problem. I, the, the only thing I will say about this though, is at the end of the match, when um, Peter was asked about um, why, uh, you know, when they, they inverted the triangle and they went back to the four, two, three, one with Chinese, when he came on for Uri and they were like, you know, he seemed, you know, and Chinese did what Chinese does. Techers Tuesday, you know, it's all, it's been all over social media yesterday. Just man, just abused Pedro Sanchez a couple times, <laughs> but it was like, he does what he does and he's in, he's different. He's got a different flavor and a different thing that, that will upset an opponent that is set back, right? Like it's good to have that. And when they were asked like, Oh, did you bring Chinese on to try and like create that type of thing? He's like, actually, I would have loved to kept Uri on. He's just not match fit. Yeah. He's like, I thought we were flowing really well. And when Chinese came on, we lost the flow. And I'm like, are we watching the same match? I was like, the ball progression, like 
the heat map showed them getting to the right spot and the touches were clean and they were passing well, but it was so slow and yeah. plotting and just not fast enough to disorganize Columbus. Like you have to do that to di- you have to be quicker. And I just watched him the whole game, like gesticulating. I mean, there's the whole me- there's a whole gif and video of him falling over because <laughs> yeah. you know, he came back out after the rain delay and he still had his dress shoes on and was on wet turf and fell over because he was like screaming for somebody to move. And so it's just like, I, you know, I get it. You know, as a coach, he's got to try and manage um, relationships. He can't just go. Um, you know, trash everybody in a press conference after the game. He had already done it the previous week. So he's got to be careful. Like I, there's a people management part of this that I understand, but I, I looked at Uri's pass map just so I could kind of see like, Hey, am I yeah. missing something with this? And <laughs> no. not really. I mean, yeah. he, I will say this. He wasn't passing backwards as much as he was before. And there were some longer pass attempts to the wings, but when I watched it live, it it looked like he was like getting to a place, waiting, finding it, hitting it, right? Yeah. And it's a very similar thing that Roger does. It's just there's just it's, not enough quick movement, or yeah. you know, like getting the ball to a you know, like when you get a change of possession, transitioning to offense quickly. Like the, I I talked I tweeted this out when I was watching City versus Real Madrid yesterday. What a crazy match that was, by the way. Some really high level soccer was happening in that match. It was insane, um, and mistakes were happening because it was so chaotic. But really high level soccer. And one thing I noticed is City transitions from a turnover to offense so fast. Yep. And I'm not expecting Sporting to be at that level, but that no, is they, how they you don't even try though. That's the problem. They don't. Yeah, there's no attempt to do that. And what I don't understand is, as I see the coach waving at them on the sideline to move and they're not. So I, I, that's the part that I'm confused about because he obviously wants them to do it, but they're not doing it. So is this a messaging problem? Is this a people being afraid of making a mistake? Like that's the part I'm confused about. I don't know, but, but you can't, you can't expect that to happen and then have Uri Roselle as your holding midfielder. I'm sorry. I mean, you can't, because if you, you know, if you look at his passing map, it, it it's not as much back passing, but it is a whole lot of side sideways, passing. sideways you know, passing. Like, that's all it is. I mean, come on. I mean, you're not, what, what is, what's the point of that? Right. Uh, unless you're just, unless you're playing out to the fullbacks in order to advance the ball down the wings, which, you know, okay. Um, that is, that is a strategy that can work as long as you're doing it quickly. Um, but that's not what's happening. And, and, you know, I, 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 I don't think we should expect, um, Ray Roselle to be a player that who's any different than the player he's always been. And right. And, and he was, you know, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's cliche to say the metronome, but I mean, that's who he is, right? He's not, uh, he's not a, a, as, as creative a, uh, and as progressive a, a, of a passer as Ilya is. He's not going to be that. He's like almost 30 years old. You're not, he's not going to magically become that. Um, and so, and so, you know, you, you are, you know, you're playing sort of a, uh, a short possession based, you know, holding midfielder, um, 
you know, who's not the greatest uh, defender and doesn't have the greatest range and athleticism. And so, um, and so really the thing that you have to expect out of that player is possession is just possession, right? It's just possession, which means that puts the onus of creation on other players and, and the players that we have, you know, ahead of Ori are not up to that task either right now. So, right. Well, just, and Rogers, Rogers never been a creative player. That's never, no, been but, really I mean, but Rogers forte. living in the box. I mean, he's, you know, I, he is like <laughs> he he's playing as a as basically an attacking midfielder and he is yeah. not that player he's not he's not he's not going to he's not that player he's not going to be he's he's not a goal scorer he is not a, an assist creator um he is a great player and I love him to death but he's just not the player that they want him that they're asking him to be much like Kyrie is not the player they're asking uh him to be and so um you know as we've discussed previously the, the, the job of a coach of a good coach is to put players in a position where they can they can uh maximize where their potential where they can be successful and in those two very key situations that's not happening at all um and it would be different you know if 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 voltaire you know um was like you know vintage roger and was just chewing up you know all kinds of space and all over the field and 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 making tackles and uh doing those kinds of things maybe you know maybe you would have a little bit more uh success uh playing roger in the advanced role but that's not voltaire's gig either you know he is not that he's not that defensive presence he's not he's more of an attacking presence and so you know it's right now um you know the team is still this sort of just like conglomeration of mismatched pieces like they're not they're the the pieces you know aren't fitting together uh at all this is the part that i that i struggle with because from an evaluation perspective it's not working the way that these guys are deployed. I would be fine if Uri stays at the six, if that's what you want to do and you don't want to move to a different formation or a different setup. Okay, fine. But you cannot. So that left sided eight has always been the more attacking eight. Like mm-hmm. that's what, that's how the team is set up that they call it the eight ten for a reason, or they call it the 10 in the system for a reason. There's, you know, quibble about the you know specificity of a 10 and what that means fine but that is what they use and roger's been positioned positioned there a lot when uri is healthy remy is on the right roger's on the left yep and i just don't understand it that's not his profile that's not his skill set and you and you're not giving significant opportunity to players who have some of those attacking minded qualities yeah, to try and figure it out. And don't get me wrong. Um, I'm not as high as far as, you know, ceiling wise on Felipe Hernandez and Cameron Duke as I was maybe last year, they looked a little bit different to me, but granted the system was in a lot better shape when they were yeah. in it as well. Um, and when Alan Polito's on the field, everybody looks better. Let's just, true. you know, be straight about that. But um, these guys are not being given opportunities to try. And I just, I don't know what, like the only reason that Roger came off in that game was because he got injured. Mm-hmm. It's not he was, like he was, he was having a hamstring problem. That was the only reason that Felipe even came on. So 
Peter actually thought this was working. Yeah, it's not like they're getting it's not like they're getting results right with uh, with with him on the field. I mean, you know, a, 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 zero, a zero zero result aside. But so so it's it's not only does do they not look good, the stats don't look good and they're not getting results. And so it's like, you know, three strikes and you're out. What, you know, at what point are you just going to say like, okay, this is not, this is really not working this year. Well, and unfortunately Peter's already out there this yesterday making comments about the fact that, you know, he's made a, you know, he's been successful, really successful in the past by having a very consistent lineup and a core that knows each other and knows how to play together. And he's not been able to do that this year. And he's almost like blaming that for the reasons why. And I'm like, no, dude, your fucking player evaluations are poor. Like you are not putting people in the right place. Well, all the players you like got old. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, and they can't, that, they can't. And, but even if Roger was 23, he would not be good in the position that Peter's putting him in. Well, but, but I think that that's why Roger's in that position, right? I mean, Roger, Roger does not have the, you know, the, 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 the youth and athleticism to play the, you know, the other, uh, the more eight, uh, eight <laughs> instead of the 10, eight. Um, and so, you know, this is, this is where he's been placed and, you know, there's, there's value to having, um, um, you know, veteran players and players who are familiar with the system. But, um, if you, it, you know, the over-reliance on them is a problem and, you know, you and I but talked about have... this. They have oh, Zussi and Melia and Russell. There are plenty <laughs> of guys on the field that will yeah. not be moving off the field. And yeah. I'm not asking for Zussi to come off the field. I don't think he's played poorly. No, I think he's been he's perfectly been fine. He's yeah. been good. Yep. Russell, when he gets on the ball and gets to do his thing, he's been good. He's been the only bright spot in the in the starting front line lately. Yeah. So, like... That's a that's Those a low bar, but you are right. It it is, but he's he had like seven successful dribbles yet uh, against Columbus. Like he was yeah. the only guy doing anything attacking yeah. wise until Chinese came on. Um, so that's my that's my problem is you got plenty of veteran leadership in this squad that's on the field that can help with that stuff that can create a tone. You think Johnny Russell doesn't create a tone when he's on the field? Like he's, he's trust me, he's a captain of this team for a reason. Yeah. Like he can handle that part of it. I'm just like, why are we putting a 35 year old guy who was never an attacking midfielder ever into the position to be an attacking midfielder and then being surprised by the fact that they got three shots on goal, three total shots and two key passes. Yeah. Two. Well, Even Columbus you know, it, had seven key passes. It, you know, it, it also, uh, you know, it bears remembering that, you know, the, the, what worked so well last year for Daniel Shallowy was having, you know, him and, and got and, and Luis Martins. And, you know, for what you know, we've talked already, whoever, whatever, uh, Luis Martins, you know, uh, deficiencies were, they, they were really good at combining with one another in the middle third of the field and creating um, uh, matchup problems and given, given goes and, and getting then, you know, either uh, Kinda or, um, um, or shallow we into space so that they could attack the box. And, you know, if you don't have, if you don't have that dynamic player in, in Kinda out there, if you're trying to replace him with Roger Espinosa, who's not by nature an attacking player, um, you're not going to have that. And we've seen that, you know, shallow is, is, is anonymous on the field. And that's why, like he hasn't all of a sudden gotten terrible. He just has no, how, how are we expecting him to be good? Right? How how are we expecting him to get the ball? How are we expecting him to attack defenses? Uh, there's no uh, there's no pathway for that 
to be uh, real realized right now. Well, and you highlighted, you know, Martins uh, and Dead Bay is not this problem. Like I his, agree. his instinct is to move up field. He has he has a fairly decent connection with Shallowy in this yeah. match. He's move he's being very aggressive, very wide, which allows Shallowy to be inside, which I think he likes to do. He prefers to be kind of inside that fullback. Yeah. And so everything about that is fine. There's just no third partner. Yes, yeah. and there has to be. I mean, you know, soccer is about triangles, you know, and you you have to have third partners. You have to have, you know, that's that's how you that's how you possess. That's how you advance the ball is by you know is by passing triangles. Yeah, I mean, we're saying the same thing. I'm I'm on oh, the man. same page. It's just like I I would I think of I I would be fine with either. I think of the more polished trying to do that thing is probably Hernandez. Yeah. Um. But if you're asking my honest, my honest issue with this is just there's no one attempting to progress the ball out of midfield. It's just not happening. And I would take Hernandez who will both Hernandez and Duke will drive with the ball and Mm -hmm. they'll drive it at a defense. And God, I'll take that over this freaking U-shaped passing thing that makes the opponent's 18 look like it's filled with lava. Like I, I... it's just not creating anything. So, I mean, I would honestly, if you're asking my honest opinion, I, I almost take Voltaire off the field and put Hernandez and Duke out there together. But yeah. I, I understand that, that, you know, you're, you're trying not to make too many changes, which there is some merit to what Peter's saying here. You build consistency by, you know, and build understanding by having guys play together regularly and changing it all the time is not, conducive to building those relationships it takes much longer to do it especially for new players so like if he's gonna say that then i better see logan and denbe at flip and left back for the next 10 games because it's the only way he and shallow are going to build a partnership and the thing is i i think that's honestly i mean that is that is uh the way that peter does things but it also is kind of an excuse and a crutch you know i mean there are other teams that don't do that and you know seattle's getting ready to play in a ccl final tonight and they don't do that they don't they don't you know they they rotate their squad quite a bit they have a deep squad and they use it and and you know their squad is deep because they use it you know it's like it's a it's it's a chicken and egg thing i mean you you don't you don't have a deep squad by having players and then not using them. You have but let me to let me let me stop you. Bench. Let me just stop you just for a second on that because I do agree with you to a certain extent that that is the case in Seattle. But also their um, league performances have been pretty terrible because they've been doing that rotating and because they don't have any consistency. The guys that they have been playing that have consistent relationships and understand each other have been playing in Champions League, and the guys that don't have been playing in the league and they haven't been very successful so far. We know as soon as champions league's over, they're going to go back to their regular setup and they're going to be a lot better. And when Schmetzer makes changes, he makes small ones, not big ones, right? He makes, he makes a person here or there. And that's kind of how he does it. Looked at, look at Liverpool today you know, you had, um, dang it. Who's the dang right center back that played today. Um, uh, uh, Ibrahim Kante, uh, is it, no, what's his last name? No, 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 from from uh, Kanate, Kanate, yeah, Ibrahim yeah. Kanate, Kanate. Um, you know, you make that change, and what's the other one? Hendo, 
started in midfield. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise it was basically the same setup they've had for a couple weeks. No, they had so they they started like Luis Diaz. Uh, well, but he started he started like half the games. Okay, like, but I'm, but but that's my point though. I mean, you 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 have players who you can just shuttle in and out, right? You just toggle them in and out. You know, you have you have a you have a front line of of four players, and they are interchangeable. You can you know you're not. You're you're not just sitting a a kid on the bench and never playing them. Uh, you're you, you know you have squad fe- flexibility. Or, or and that's pulling, the, them, pulling them when they have a bad half. Right. Like so that's this, 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 this is this is part of the the problem with the way the team is constructed and the way that the system is is uh, is utilized is that the, is that the team is just like it's it's very strong but it's also brittle. Like there's like no flexibility in the team uh, at all. And you know. Um, and, and what we're seeing, I think, this season is um, is is really that uh, that problem borne out. Uh, there, you know, when 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 things aren't working, there's you know there's not much we can do to uh, that can be done to to change the situation. Um, and and to you know to their credit, they've they've changed formations, but you know it's not going to work uh, in in large part because. They don't do that all the time, right? If if this team, you know, last year, you know, decided that they were gonna, you know, be more flexible and toggle in between a four three three and a four two three one, and everybody had some some uh, you know experience with the different uh, demands and expectations at each one of those uh, uh, formations, um, they would be more successful this year. But they, they've never ever done that, and this team has always been four three three, you know, till you die, and and. And, uh, and, and now that's just, that's not working and there's nothing else to fall back on. And, um, and, and I think that that's, uh, I mean, I think that that's due in large part to, um, to the, uh, a failure of the long-term plan. And I don't know that for sure, but that's my suspicion. Um, and that, you know, we're kind of, uh, I think that, that, the, that the club is kind of having to, uh, reassess and, uh, and change their, uh, their long-term plan in the m- middle of their long-term plan, uh, well, which is, which I, is difficult to do. I would say two things is what I noticed about this. Um, one of them is to me, a misunderstanding from Vermees of what his second team players, if you want to call them that, like the people um, behind the st- the quote unquote starters, what their capabilities were and what they'd be able to do in matches. I think that it's a complete misunderstanding of who was going to be available at the beginning of this season and how he could best utilize them in his system and what kind of tweaks he'd have to make in order to make them successful. I think the other part of it, to be completely honest, and this is what we talked about at the beginning with Courtney Ford, is there was a lack of a sort of intense, aggressive mentality towards playing soccer for this team that seemed to get worse and worse as the season went on and the losses piled up and then just a fear of making mistakes and nobody really trying to be aggressive in what they were doing. I thought one of the comments out of the Courtney Ford interview with Nate and Allie on the sporting KC show that was very interesting to me was when they talked about the, um, you know, Courtney's ability to integrate with the team 
and how close the team is. And it's very much a sort of family atmosphere within the team. And he's like, he's like, I've been in other teams. It's like, normally there's like four different cliques and they all, it's a three or four or five people. And it's just in their own little groups. And he's like, it's actually not great because you're not able to sort of, you're sort of separated a little bit and it's hard to build, you know, collaboration and, you know, coordination when you're not, you're not having those things. But he's like, so, you know, we go, we go out to a freaking team dinner and there's 16 of us there, like mm-hmm. a bunch of guys from the team go out and there's just 16 of us having dinner together. And it's like a very, very tight knit group that's very well together. And the veterans do a really good job and they're really invested in bringing people into the group and making them part of it. He's like, that part was great. He's like, the, the secondary issue, though, is is because you're all really good friends. You're not necessarily going at each other and training mm-hmm. the way you might. You're not really you're not going, hey, no, that's not good enough. You need to be doing this. You're not challenging each other as much because it's your buddy and you don't want to call him out in the middle of a practice. And I thought that was really interesting. He said in the last couple of weeks, that's changed a little bit and the dynamic has been a little bit better. But he said that, you know, that that was a concern. And yeah, you could see it on the field. There wasn't a level of intensity. Yeah. Um. And for a Peter Vermees team, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago for a Peter Vermees team to be without intensity is kind of a, you know, red flag. Yeah. Um, So I I think it, that was really interesting and instructive to me about what might be going on a little bit under the covers. Um, But that said, I still think that the um, squad makeup that Peter is using in these matches is flawed. Yeah. And it is, it, and there are, I mean, like I said, I get it. I get the whole thing. It's like you got guys that haven't been with the team very long and you got all this different stuff and you're trying to manage through. And it is a legitimate thing, like getting people comfortable. And and I understand that at Liverpool, yeah, you can make, you can rotate those guys. You bring in Luis Diaz in January and within two games, he's ready to play. Part of it is because Luis Diaz is really fucking good at soccer. Right. Okay. Like there's a, there's a big piece of this. And when you're talking about guys who are several steps below that level, that you do need to be a little bit more cognizant of how you're using them so that they don't get down and torn down like Kyrie Shelton did for two games. Kyrie did. They, they had him bought in for sure. He was way more bought in against Columbus, but he still wasn't that effective. Yeah. And so the problem well, is, is well, like, well, there's two things, right? I mean, there's, there's buy-in and, and, you know, that has never really seemed to be a problem for, uh, for Peter Vermes. Uh, but then there's also, you know, you just have to be a, a good enough player to execute the plan. And, and, you know, that might be where we are right now. And, you know, the, the players who were good, who, who could execute the plan have aged out of it a little bit. And, you know, the, there, there's not a, a, a new group of players, um, who are putting their stamp on things. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, when we talk about intensity, I do think that, you know, a lot of that, um, a lot of that, that, that is the problem of the midfield to a large degree. And, um, you know, uh, um, if you don't have a midfield that, that plays with intensity and that's difficult to play through, um, you're not going to be successful. Um, well, and and our, midfield, our midfield is, is not difficult to play through. Well, but they, they have guys who like to play intensely that are sitting on the bench for most of these games. I know. And, and, and the problem is though, is that Peter has neutered them because he's telling them to back off. Yeah. Like when they go aggressively, he's like, no, 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 too much, too much. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like 
you first one thing you're in a press conference talking about uh, we need guys to go for those balls they're too afraid to make a mistake and then cam duke gets to play a half and gets pulled off because it wasn't good enough and i'm just like this is the part of it that i don't get he's he talks about how important it is to sort of manage situations and make sure you're not putting people you know like you want to create consistency you want guys to build stuff and learn stuff and then you got a 21 year old kid who gets to play a half and gets pulled at halftime because he's doing stuff you don't like and i just like I, those two things don't square for me yeah. i have a problem understanding those and so i'm not sitting here like I, was was he doing stuff was he doing stuff that that they didn't like or was he just not doing anything cuz it did sort of he was sort of anonymous yeah like he just wasn't doing anything and that you know, in a midfield role, you—that's not what you can't do. I mean, you. But that's you why you talk to him game. at. That's I, why you I talk to him at halftime. Yeah, you coach him up. Absolutely. You say, "Hey, look, man, I need to see more of this, or you're coming off." Yep. That's how you coach a player. Yeah. You got. Yep. You got. You got twenty minutes at halftime. You do your pump me up speech and all that stuff, and then you and Carrie pull him aside, or you have Z pull him aside, or somebody, and you go like, "Hey, look, this is what we're looking for from you here, and we're not yep. getting it, and I need you to get bought it. I need you to." get your head in the game and do that. And those, those things don't occur. It's just more like we put, or, or I'm sure it was something along the lines, like this is not working and we probably asked you to do the wrong thing. And we're going to bring someone else in who can do it. Yeah. And I just, I don't think that that's helpful to his development at all. Well, it's not developing him and you no. know, it's, it, it, and that's a problem, but you know, Regardless of whether you're going to uh, expect them to be depth pieces or uh, starters, or whether you want to sell them on, you know you have to you have to develop young players, and and um, you know I, I don't know that I, I as we've discussed in the past, I think that that uh, Peter Vermes has sort of a mixed record on uh, uh, on that in that respect, and um, and so if he has know. a unicorn like a like a Busio, he's fine, but. Anyone who's sort of a middling or sort of um, high upside player, I don't know, right? And I just hope he figures it out because we've got three of them that look like they can be really good if given yeah. the right opportunity. And you paid money to bring him in, and I just hope he doesn't destroy their freaking development too because these guys are all you know twenty two or un under. Yeah, so that's and that's that's the. Um... You know, that's that that should give uh, fans pause uh, about you know the the club's involvement with the U twenty two initiative. You know, I mean, because um, those are not generally speaking, those are not players that um, that have fared very well um, at this club and in this system in the past. Um, yeah. So, I think Busio was sort of like a you know perfect storm. Yeah. Of sort of his development you know, moving as quickly as it did him being such a smart soccer player that could apply what Peter was asking him to do really well, all of those things. And his just, he's a, he's a quiet understated dude that mm -hmm. will just, this is what you want me to do. Okay. I'm going to go do it. Well, and, and even him, like he, you know, he started out as much more of an attacking player. He was in the, in the youth system and, you know, he just steadily moved backwards and backwards and, and really, you know, his, his, his superpower was really reading the game and being in the right place at the right time. And, and, um, and that's, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure how much, uh, 
of that is coachable and coached, you know, no, 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 there's, no. A, has, there's a lot of it. That's just sort he of, has a, you know, but this is why Burhalter likes him so much because yeah. he has a cerebral sort of nature to his game. That is just at next level. And for, for super nerdy tactical guys like Burhalter, they love a guy like that. Yeah. Right. Because for he's all, also coachable. He'll do what you yeah. want him to do. For all I understand, Burhalter's system is fairly complicated. And if, you know, you need people who understand where to be. Yeah. And um, it's obvious that Busio does. And that's why he keeps getting calls calls. I don't know if he's the best player that they have in the pool, but he's a very smart player. And yeah. that helps a lot in, in his stuff. Um, all right. I'm not going to run through everything in the game because we talked about a lot of this stuff. Um, the first thing I will say is that can we not get Fodis Bazakos on another Sporting Kansas City game <laughs> the rest of the year, please? We had him twice in like three weeks. I mean, like, seriously, man, like, can we just be done with this guy? The the Benny Failhaber Award for Worst Referee in MLS. Like, I, I don't understand how you can be this bad at your job and keep getting prime, you know, um, assignments. Like, yeah, I, it's just unbelievable to me. There's there's two things that I cannot stand with a referee. Right. One, an unwillingness to admit when you got something wrong. Right. And two, the inability to be consistent. Yeah. Like those are just so important in a referee. Some guys going to call the game tighter than others. Some guys are going to call the game looser than others. Be consistent. And part of that is take control of the game. Like MLS, MLS refs lose control of games more than more than more than any other league. It's I, unreal I watch, to me. Honestly. Like for as yeah. um just sort of I'm, I'm, what's the adjective I'm looking for obstinate that some of these guys are about their calls. They're they're like the lamest when it comes to giving an early yellow, like they just yeah. refuse to do it, and I, I just don't understand it. It's like you'll stop some of this stuff very quickly. If you just call a yellow, I mean, you know, it's possible they don't want to stop it. You know, I mean, they, the MLS has a, a a reputation as a more physical and athletic league. And, you know, that might be, uh, you know, it's very possible that that uh, that reputation is is, you know, intentionally cultured. We wouldn't so. have we wouldn't have instant replay sponsored by Cheez-It if uh, <laughs> if if these refs were any good. So maybe that's what it is. We will lose that. I mean, I, I, I've I've long thought that that uh, the quality of refereeing in MLS is, was one of the things that is one of the things that holds the leak back. Uh, it's probably way down on the list, but I do think it's a factor. It is. Well, especially if you're going to bring in $15 million players from totally. places Absolutely. and then they, then they see this yeah. and they're like, are you serious? Yeah. Um, the, the, the absolute incredulity of some of these guys, like when Carlos Vela came into this league, like the <laughs> look on his face with some of the calls and I, and Zlatan would do it too. Like, I mean, you bring in these crazy good players that have been all around the world yeah. and then they, they look at this and like, are, are you serious? Um, anyway, all I'm asking for is no more Fodis Bazakos. Apparently, I, I'm not. I'm reading between the lines here, but maybe he wasn't supposed to ref this game because every like match report I've seen on it had a different center ref. So I don't know if there was a last minute change. Somebody got sick. Maybe maybe he got COVID. I don't know. Um, but there was supposed to be a different ref for this game, and we ended up with our good buddy. I, I assume he's Greek with that name. But anyway. Um, I just would prefer not having him call another Sporting Kansas City match. That would be great. Um, 
anyway, um, uh, one of the other things I wanted to highlight um, is the positional map looked a little better. Mm-hmm. As much as I don't like Raj playing the attacking midfielder role or whatever it is, it looked like Sporting Kansas City's shape. It was a little narrow still. The wingers are a little narrow, but it looked like their shape. It looked like a 2-3-5. Uh, it was interesting that the fullbacks were not providing the width as much, but still it, it looked like that 2-3-5-3-2-5 kind of thing that we're used to. I did see Uri dropping back between the center backs a lot during the match and sort of so there was some familiarity to their build-out profile that I did like. And maybe they just need to do it more so they get more reps with it. And yeah. it, Because they did control possession, obviously, with it. And they had a very good defensive performance with it. So there wasn't as much of this Zeusy tucking in kind of stuff. Um, and even if it was, it was more rotational, like you see with a Liverpool, right? Trent Alexander-Arnold will pull back there if someone else is high. It was more rotational kind of stuff as when it would occur versus Zussi becoming a de facto third center back most of the time, which was good because Zussi did have some good delivery in this yeah. game. Well, um, the team needs that. I mean, they, the team needs Zussi's, you know, um, contributions uh, in attack. Uh, right now, the team needs anything that they can get in attack. And, you know, if, they have, if they've got to go back to the, you know, sort of back to the basics and, um, and, you know, and play, you know, in this style, then that's fine. I mean, I think, I think that, you know, uh, I think the Vermes would, would take a, uh, a, a clean sheet and, um, and the bulk of possession all the time. Right. I mean, that's like, you know, that that's his calling card. And, you know, if you don't, uh, the the offense, you know, I think he would expect that that will develop throughout the season. I mean, we don't see how that's actually going to happen now. But you know, and and the other thing is, like I said, when you when you make a choice that that you're going to start uh, Roselle at the six, you're you're making a choice that this is the way you're going to play, right? This, yep. This, this is, that's it. But I'm okay with it if he's dropping back between the center backs mm-hmm. and just sort of delivering from there. Like that's fine with me. And and then he moves up as the ball progresses. Well, and, and, we're not- and look, so 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 the thing is too is it's not like 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 we talk a lot about individual players, but they're never sort of in a vacuum. They're never in a bubble, right? It's always right. contingent on who's around them. And and you know if you play a player like that um, ahead of two young, mobile, active, physical. Uh, center backs um, who also are not terrible passers, you know, that is more of a recipe for success than what was happening previously. In in my opinion. Yeah. And that to me leads me to think that, you know, I mean, I, I'm kind of bummed because Fontas had such a great year last year and I was hoping for more of the same, but it just doesn't seem to be working with this team and this setup. And it just leads me to believe that we might see the same back four next next week or Saturday, excuse me. So I would not be upset with it if that if Uri is going to be at the six. I would like to see the same back four that we had yeah. last time. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, now you know, do they change up the the other positions? Well, I I have no faith that that will occur. No, but you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, the one thing that I also noticed is the team was par- playing a fairly high line. Yeah, like the defensive you, line was high. You can do that when you've got young, 
yeah. active center backs. It's weird how those how that works. Well, they had not been doing that in the past, and it, that used to be a calling card of sporting. Yeah. It's like they would have a lot of possession, and you would you would have to be pretty smart about your runs, or you're going to be offside. Yeah. And they would play a fairly high line and keep you put pinned back. And that happened. And that was another thing Vermees was doing over and over again was telling them to push the line higher. So they. There are some things about how they're playing the setup that I like. We just need to see some more execution in in the final third and or any execution whatsoever. Um, I th- you know we covered Fodis Pizakos. I, I don't know what to say. Bolader hits a freaking dime to Remy Voltaire, and it is like a forty five yard cross field like diagonal, like you said, and just hits him right at the top of the eighteen on his foot. It's a beautiful pass. Well, not quite at the top of the eighteen. He finds him in space. It's about 25 yards back, but hits him, hits him in space, puts him on a run. And it's a foul. It's just a foul. It just is. I mean, I understand if you think that the original challenge is a little shoulder to shoulder because it kind of was. And that was my first reaction when he didn't give it. I was like, it's not really in his back. He caught his shoulder. And then I looked at it. I was like, oh, no, he kicked his feet. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> it, it was pretty obvious. <laughs> I was like, hold on. <laughs> well, when I saw it live from my vantage point, it looked like it was a shoulder to shoulder challenge yeah. and then Voltaire fell down yeah. and I'm like, yeah, Remy. I mean, like I get you trying to sell that one, but he wasn't in your back. And then I saw the replay on the screen. I was like, no, 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 no. It was one of the, it was the one of those, the more you watched it, the more you were like, heck yeah, that's a, that's a penalty. How does VAR not touch this? I don't know. MLS man. Like it just is. I, I don't know. I, I have no explanation for it. I'm sure, you know, like tomorrow we'll get one of those, uh, pro referees, um, you know, news releases. Yeah, we should have called that. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Really helps now. Um, first shot of the game, 45 plus two. <laughs> Zussi is always going to be one of the my favorites when it comes to hitting a set piece. Like, he's just so, so good at it. Um, just drops it right on Kyrie's head. And Kyrie actually makes a very good headed attempt here. I saw some people go after Kyrie after this, that he should have pushed it wider of the goalie. And I'm like, do you know how hard this is? Yeah. Like, just, do you have any understanding? To, it's a diving, a and, it's a and, diving yeah. header. He puts it on frame. Room is a good goalkeeper and it's close enough to him that he's able to react to it. Yeah. But I, I'm telling you, like, if that, like, let me explain this for people who don't understand. If that ball hits a centimeter off that spot on his head, it's off the frame. It's yeah. not just like a foot over or something like that. It is off the frame. Like it is such fine margins on something like that to put it exactly where you want. Like I think some, the problem is, is some we have a lot of fans now that watch a lot of the Premier League and, you know, like Real Madrid and stuff like this. Like Kareem Benzema is a world-class header of the football. Like he can absolutely head the ball. Harry Kane is very good at it. Robert Lewandowski, like these guys are at such an extremely good level. And you see these guys make these kinds of plays look easy that you don't realize how flipping hard they are. And Kyrie, he made a great attempt. He, He got is a diving header. He put it on frame and he made him make a save. Like, I don't know what else you want at that, yeah. at that point. It's just like, so, it just so didn't happen. The problem is not that that play didn't come off. The problem is that that was like it, you know, if you're, if you're right. creating half a dozen of those chances in a half, um, uh, great. Especially, you know, if you're, if you're a, if you're a possession based team, um, um, and, 
uh, you're you're holding the ball most of the time, you should be able to generate uh, a lot of set pieces, and you should be able to generate chances off those set pieces. And you know that's been one of my complaints about the team for a very long time is that they're not good enough on set pieces. And you know, uh, and that's why is because you know you it, 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 as much as you have the ball, you're going to get set pieces, and uh, you got to be able to 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 get them often and you have to be able to make them dangerous often. So um, I'm not surprised that, that, you know, he was, that that was, that was a a good chance. I just think that there needs to be more of them because, you know, the, the way you score is by creating as many of those types of chances as possible. Given that you have guys like Remy Voltaire and Graham Zussi, should this team be playing for set pieces more? Should they no, be trying? no, because nobody else, because we can't, we don't have somebody who puts away set pieces reliably, right? You know, okay. as, as big as, as big and strong and physical and athletic as, as, as Kyrie Shelton is, he's never been that guy. And I don't know why. I mean, I don't, I don't get it personally. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's just not his gig or if he's not coached to do that. I don't know. Uh, but that guy should be a set piece monster, you know, and, uh, and Issy was good on set pieces. He has, but, he has the build to be a set piece monster, yeah. but yeah, I mean, not everyone it takes, is it takes what more they than look that. like. Yeah, it takes yeah. more than that. Right. Uh, well, but, uh, but that's my point is like, not everyone is what they look like. Yeah. Right. That's, it goes back to the EC situation and mm-hmm. he should be, he, Oh, he's a great recovery. No, he's not. No, he's not. Recovery, better, uh, actually. So, so the thing is, is that like, you know, we, this team has rarely had uh, dominant set piece players uh, before his concussions. Ike uh, Ike was was a dominant set piece player, uh, but other than that, you got to go to you know to Dom Dwyer, who you know was like the shortest guy on the pitch, but super dominant. And you know, and uh, you know, much like uh, much like Johnny Russell is Johnny Russell. Johnny Russell, you know, he should never be kicking the ball on set pieces because he's one of the best you know aerial duelists on the team. He's one of the best headers of the ball. What? Well, but, but hold on, Johnny is so good at scoring yeah. uh, direct free kicks that yeah. well, of course I'm talking about corners, but yeah, you're he right. He should never be taking corners, but um, I, I, it's always it's always it's always uh, maybe wonder why the team like why don't they prioritize going out and getting you know uh, players who who um, are set piece scoring threats? Maybe Courtney Ford and Robert Volitor are. We just don't know, dude. I mean, if you had a pair of center backs who um, who were dangerous on set pieces, I mean, Walker uh, Zimmerman's team, a, yeah, Walker Zimmerman's a cheat code for Nashville. Yeah. Like he yeah. is because he's so he, good on set absolutely, pieces. absolutely. Yeah. And 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 look, I mean, if you it, if this team has just just one of those players, uh, a player who can do that, that just takes a. Um, it takes a lot of, of of pressure off of the offense, right? It takes also a lot of pressure off, you know, uh, the other players to score on, te- on on set pieces because that you have one player or one or two players who are drawing a lot of attention. And I do think, honestly, um, that a lot of the problems that the, the team has had this year is that they just don't have very many dangerous players. And, um, and you know, it's really easy – uh, it's really easy to to kind of focus and shut down, you know, even if you have your two wingers, if you, it's easy to shut down Shallowy and Russell if nobody else on the team is going to hurt you, you know, yep. and it really makes you it really makes you one dimensional uh, and easy to to defend against. And so it's, you know, if you it's if you hard for that, the midfielders to do, you know, when you're anything. talking about free eights. Yeah. Right. Like they're not really individually creative players that's no. none of the even Gotti Kinda is not 
necessarily individually create. He can be, but that's not. He's better in combination with other people. Yeah, exactly. And so if you can take away the wingers, you also, I think that's what's happening is you're also creating a situation where the midfielders can't do anything because they have no passes. They have no outlets. Right. Right Um, right now, right now, I mean, like, like the midfielders are, I mean, they're not doing anything. Well, but that's what I'm saying is like, this is what I'm talking about where I think the ball progressing midfielder is important here because um, if you, if you're taking away the wingers, you need dribbling midfielders that can take the ball on the dribble Mm -hmm. and put pressure on players that way. Unfortunately, that is not what Peter wants those midfielders doing. Right. He wants these combination Rondo triangle things. That's what the expectation of the system is. And I'm saying that maybe putting two sort of drive at the defense midfielders out there Mm -hmm. will cause those defenders to pull off the wingers. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and you have to trust that they can make the right pass at that point. But that's, that's kind of where I'm at with this sort of, sort of, you know, idea of a Duke and Hernandez front midfield, because I think that they would push the ball. And and I, that's the thing that we don't have right now. No one's pushing the ball forward. This is it, and that, that is that is you know in years past that I mean these are this is a recurring issue you know and um, you know the sort of you know the the umbrella possession the side to side movement the lack of of progression especially in the final third and um, and you know I th- I am I am firmly on team more be direct right I've been that has been one thing that I've wanted the team to be for a very long time. And if you look at teams, just like we've, we've, we've talked about, if you look at teams who, who run similar systems, um, uh, they, they have, you know, at least, uh, at least times and periods in, in games in matches where they are more direct. Like you have to, like when you win the ball uh, by counter pressing, you have to be direct. You have to go right to goal because because that's a transition moment. That's when the defense is is uh, um, is off balance, and that's when you can generate easily, easily, more easily scored opportunities. Well, I think this is the part that we keep going back to: is the rigidity of the system is a little too much. Yeah. You can be in a four three three and still um, give your eights the freedom to either combine with the winger and the fullback or drive at the defense. I mean, look and at, look you, at and, LAFC. And you, their eights are all over the place. And they're, exactly, they're, well, they're, they're, it's a, but it's a different system, right? Yeah, and then yep. the eights and Kellen Acosta rotates back when Elia gets forward. There's, there's a different philosophy. There's a lot of rotation there. from those. There's players. a lot of rotation yeah. that happens in that system. I'm not even asking for anything that crazy. Yeah. I'm just talking about like, if you watch Liverpool today, Hendo knows when to drive at the defense versus yep. when it's time to lay off to the fullback. Like there's different, there's different triggers for that kind of stuff. If you have and, space, you should but drive. You, but you have to have those options. Yeah. And what it feels like to me is the player does the players on this team don't have the option to do that. And I just don't think I, I think that you can become so rigid that you're easy to defend. And that's what seems to be happening right now. Yeah. Is sporting is exceptionally easy to defend because there's no dynamism to what they're doing. And if the dynamism is, well, we insert this player who's more dynamic, that's a problem. Yeah. Because that player is not always going to be available. So there needs to and be then, a and, bit... and, you know, and that, you know, a single player does not 
change everything, right? Unless unless you build your team around a single player the way that, you know, Minnesota builds around Reynoso, but that's not what's going to happen here. And so you can't just put on a single player, you know, Choni's and expect for him to uh to 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 make magic. You have to you have to give him, you know, the 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 space in the system to make that happen. Well, and that's the thing I feel that I feel bad about with Choni's is that he's mostly been put out there to just do him. Yeah. Right. Which at a certain level, I understand he's a 20 year old kid who has extremely good technical abilities on the ball and you want him to use those and sort of freewheel a little bit. But if none of the players around him know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't work. It's a team game. The thing is too, is he's not, um, you know, he's not necessarily at at least at this point making those players better either. Right. It's like, it's, it's like his show. There was, there there was one play where he took a, he took a fast free kick and it combined with Shaoli really fast. mm -hmm. And Shaoli did get a good shot off. It was a really pretty play. I mean, the ball moved bang, 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 bang. And and then Shaoli got a shot off. It was the only fast play of the game. Um, if you, if you look at players like like Reynoso and Zellerion, I mean, those are players who are, yeah, they're great, but they also are are making players around themselves better. I mean, this this yeah. team has this team. What, do they even have? I don't even know how many goals they have. Do they? But they 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 don't have more than like five they assists. Have six. They, have they have six, six goals. in nine games. And and six so and so what? Games. What they have three assists. I mean, you know, it's uh, I mean, that's not good. <laughs> It's just not. I mean, when you when you look at the key passes uh, from from the the weekend, uh, you know, um, Columbus had had six key passes, six key passes, and they're the away team. And and Sporting uh, had two, two. Sporting had two, and one came from the right back, and the other one was a free kick. (laughs) It's. (laughs) I mean. It's it's grim. It's so grim, and it's so. I you know, props to props to the 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 fans who keep going out um, because it's not it's not enjoyable soccer to watch, and it's not winning soccer. And um, you know, I feel like I honestly feel like we're in the first game out of preseason. That's basically what we just watched. Yeah, I feel like we've had like seven of those. It's like a well, different, but but I mean, but at least there's no at consistency least, at all. It's just a different least, thing every time. Well, but at least in this game, they looked good defensively. They yeah. were building out of a system, uh, out of a out of a setup that we're familiar with. They were a little rusty getting into the final third, but that will come with time. The problem is, we're in the ninth game of the year. Yeah, like a quarter of the season's already over. Yeah, and I just well, if this is, I mean, you know, it. it Peter Vermes is a stubborn man, um, and and sometimes that's to his uh, that's to his detriment, and sometimes it's not. And you know, if 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 all of the injuries have finally pushed you know things in the right direction, um, you know, you hate that that's what it comes from, but okay, you know, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, this is the the you know a, a key game that you know the season turns on, and that you know they can start moving forward and and at least start getting some some positive. Uh, some positive, um, you know, results and some some positive statistics would be nice. Like just like something, you know, like. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I, but that that was our main concern last week when Peter spent so much time talking about the defensive mentality, and that was the main yeah. concern. And then we saw the defensive mentality improve, and we had the same problem. They can't yeah. score. Yep. 
here lies Beavis. He never scored <laughs> like that. That's what we've got going on right now. And um, I just. That, the complete that... unwillingness to accept the pre- this is the thing about Vermes. Like, look, I I understand that this guy has forgotten more about soccer than I know. Like, I, I, I get that. Right. Like, I, I understand that his, you know, his training, his experience, his, you know, the coaching courses that he's gone through, the amount of research and stuff that he does on good soccer teams and how they are coached and how they're set up. I know he's a really intelligent guy when it comes to, you know, understanding the game and understanding it well. But the thing that I really struggle with with him is like, I feel like he thinks he's the smartest man in the room all the time. And it's like prime example is literally any post-game press conference. There's never a point in time where he even accepts the premise of a question. Like if someone just in any way insinuates something, he gets really defensive and basically shuts him down and makes him feel out to be stupid. Like he does. Like this is a thing. He does it all the time. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's I just like he's so derogatory. Coaches are kind of like that, though. <laughs> well, I mean, and and I'm not saying that the guys in the room are phrasing the questions the best way or necessarily the most, you know, well versed in this job. I mean, we're talking about, you know, MLS press conferences, not Premier League, right? So it's it's you know, you're there's a part of this that is. You know, some of the folks in the room are not as experienced with this kind of environment. So I understand that part of it. But there were legitimate questions at the end of the game that uh, that he just shot down and made the guy feel stupid for asking. Yeah. And I just I, I don't think that that's helpful. Like, let us know what you're thinking, what you're trying to accomplish. He never does. He just basically says, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And. I have a problem with that when we've been talking for weeks about the chance creation being poor, that the center forward is not a center forward and he's not acting like a center forward. And it's obvious by looking at any type of information that's available after the game, that that's the case. And then he goes off on the defensive mentality. The defensive mentality improves and we get the same bullshit. (laughs) They can't create any chances. You know, they're really bad at it. And I'm like, like, are is this just a thing where you think we're fucking stupid? Like, I, I just I I understand. I don't want him to go anywhere. I just wish that there would be a little bit more pragmatism and a little bit more like willingness to communicate than there is. So he's just it's like sort of grumpy old man. at this You, point. you always it's, have to remember that that, you know, there. That, that there was amazing Peter Vermes, like the, you know the guy that we all love, and you know the intense, uh, the intense, meticulous uh, uh, planner who considers everything. But there's also always <laughs> the same, the, the the you know the Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. There's always the guy who trotted out all the kids against Leon just to say f you to the league. That is who he is, you know, and and you know. He, who knows why he does some of the things that he does? That mentality could be part of it. I, the only reason I bring it up is because I do think it is a net negative for engagement with the team. Like people trying to engage with the team, understand what's going on. 
I think our fan base is becoming smarter and smarter every year. Like, and this is something that um, Paul and Sam on allocation disorder talk about a lot when they talk about the TV ratings for MLS mm-hmm. versus other soccer in the country um, and how it's going to interrupt MLS's ability to get the TV deal that they want. Unless it yeah. sounds like maybe Apple might be putting a bunch of cash out. So maybe they'll get the money they want. Yeah, but, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be a bunch. I mean, we'll see. Hopefully we'll see. But one of the things that they bring up all the time is that the American soccer fan is becoming much more, um, you know, discerning yeah. about what they watch and they, they they know good soccer when they see it now. Yeah. And so to have this sort of dismissive nature towards people that are trying to consume it, I think is a net negative. I do. I, I think that I'm not telling, I'm just, I'm just like, this is, I know Peter doesn't listen to this podcast, but it's more like a, you know, there's, there's an opportunity here to be a little bit more engaged with the fan base and with the people that are trying to, you know, consume the, the, and are effectively paying his salary, right? Like, you know, the 18,000 that are at every game and are trying to participate in this being that dismissive, I don't think is helpful. Now, granted, couldn't, he came at the end. He came at the end of the game, and he's pissed off because they didn't score. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other things going on there. And he probably doesn't want people. Do- he doesn't want to be caught dogging his team again. Uh, there's couldn't there's some you couldn't you context. see though? Couldn't you see a scenario where he's you know he's going to ownership and he's asking uh, you know for some from some help you know you know buying a striker or buying a backup striker when when before we knew Polito was uh, was, um, was out and, um, and, you know, he's getting the cold shoulder from, uh, from ownership. And so he says, you know, okay, screw you. I'm just going to trot Kyrie Shelton out there the whole season. I, I mean, that's an interesting 4d chess move, but my, my understanding of Peter's relationship with ownership is that is not the case. Like if he comes to them with a legitimate, it was, legitimate... it, it was the case before um before they brought in um, um I don't think so. No, no, it was. Completely said, different. No, no, said, no, 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 no. Said, and they said that before the before they signed Polito, you know, they that he he wanted to sign more expensive players and higher quality players, but they didn't. And the reason they didn't is cuz he was just successful enough, you know, with, with the constraints that they had in place, uh, that, that they didn't see any reason that to bring in higher caliber players. And it was just, it was just finally, that's, you know, that's the, the story I remember hearing. I remember hearing him talk about this. Like they even made a run at Zlatan and there was like a thing that they were willing to pay for Zlatan. Yeah. He but did not want on. to come to Kansas There's City. a run and there's a run, right. you know, I mean, right. they, but, but, they but made a run at I'm Michael saying. Bradley. They made a run at Jossie Zardes. I mean, okay. They made a run at Josie Altador. They tried to get Josie Altador when Polito yeah. got, when Polito got hurt. We, we might've done they, they made a run at Hota Hota Macias and um, Guadalajara uh, Chivas was like, no, 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 no. But we don't know what that means. I mean, you know, any, Anybody can say anything. You can say you made a run at Michael Bradley, but you know, come on. Well, but I mean, I don't think. I mean, there. But that's what I mean. I understand. I honestly like we're <laughs> we're. I'm not disagreeing with you completely. I'm just being a little. I, and I'm I'm, I'm, just little, saying, I'm just saying. You know, it's just something like that. Uh, you know, that level of obnoxious stubbornness is. You know. It wouldn't be completely out of character. I'm it's not, not outside. Yeah, but, it's definitely you know, not outside his character. No, I, I agree with that. But I, it, it could be irreparably damaging to his relationship with 
with Mike Illig for sure. Yeah. If you were to do that, you know, the, the, but that brings up also the point that, you know, everybody, you know, all coaches, 10 years and at some point in time, and he's had a very, very, very long and successful run as, you know, as the, the director and the, and the coach and, you know, people's shtick gets old, you know, and regardless of, of, of where you are. And, you know, if you, uh, if, if at any point you stop winning, then, you know, things start to, you know, your, whatever, whatever, um, whatever issues that people were kind of, you know, putting up with before, um, the, the, that winning sort of, you know, papers over, um, when you stop winning, those issues start to become more and more of a concern. And so, um, you know, I think for that reason alone, I think that, that, you know, this season should be concerning for a, a lot of sporting Kansas city's fans, uh, because it, it really, it's kind of unprecedented and it brings into question, uh, sort of where, uh, where the club go- goes from here, you know, I think, but I think the signs of this were at the end of last year. Oh, totally they, agree. Absolutely. They, they, you know, the, the inability to change a game when yep. you needed to, we talked about this at the beginning of the preseason, like they just didn't have guys that could come in and change the game. And now they do have some of those, like, well, at least Chinese seems to be that player. I don't know if Voinovich is, but I mean, I mean, I mean, but you know, it, it, here, it, hear, hear look, me out. It's changing the game. Change, you're not changing the game if you're not scoring goals or right. or, or getting wins. I mean, but you know. pause for a second. What I'm saying about that is, is that if you have your full complement of players, Chinese is a game changer. You can bring in. You bring him in for Shallowy, and he combines with yeah. Polito. I think that that would be he more. Is, successful. He's a different player than they've had in the I, for sure. I uh, two things. Uh, well, three things happened. Kinda and and Polito getting hurt. You're nine and you're ten gone. That is a big problem to the spine of any team, especially when they're DP players like they are for sporting. So we can't we can't paper over that for sure. The second part of it is Daniel Shallowy regressed back to normal Shallowy, right? He was absolutely fantastic last year, at least for the first half of the season. He wasn't quite as good in the second half of the season, but he was good. He is looking a little bit more like what you would have expected last year not necessarily what he was last year. So, and and I think there are definitely reasons for that, but the reality of the situation is the only forward that's playing uh, from last year that's playing up to his capability is Russell, and that's been hit or miss. Yeah, he's still not. And that's always, honestly, that's always been, you know, Johnny Russell's uh, uh, weakness as a player is he's just not that consistent. He was super consistent last year. Um, And well, no, he wasn't. He wasn't very good in the first half of the year. He was very good in the second half of the year. He was he was not as good in the first half of the year. So I think what happened with the team last year is Shallowy's first half of the season balanced out Russell's second half of the season. And you didn't really miss out on Polito as much because both of those guys had fantastic total years combined what you have now is teams are like okay well i'll just take those guys away and what are you going to do now right and you have no attacking midfielder you have nobody that's progressing the ball like there there are a number of dominoes that have occurred that have gotten them to this place what i what i'm concerned about is you need to adjust at that point there needs to be an adjustment and from two places, right? The sporting director needs to do a hell of a lot better job of having the right backups 
available. Yeah, you know, there, there, there's no, there's no, you know, real backup for Kinda, and there's no real backup for Pulido, and there wasn't coming in here. I mean, you know, if if you know, at the end of last year, nobody in their right mind would have thought that Roger Espinosa was Gotti Kinda's backup. Right. And yet this year, that's the player who's being played in that position. So if 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 Hernandez or Duke, if they weren't good enough to be the backup, then you should have brought in somebody who was. Agreed. Wholeheartedly agreed. And this is the part that I'm talking about. The sporting director did not do the job and he brought in U22 players. But here's the thing. U22 existed all last season. Yeah, but they didn't. They were they were too conservative, Drew. They didn't. They wanted to make sure it was going to stick around. And right, uh, but that's what I'm saying is they're on the back foot now. Yeah, right. Yeah. They have they have U22 guys who are going to take time to acclimate. You're going to take time to figure out what their skill set is. Robbie Volader talked about how he's been in the gym a ton and putting out a bunch of muscle because he needed to to be play center back in MLS. Yeah, and like there's all of these things going on that you know were inevitable and you know green cards and all the other kind of things and it's like it just seems like they're kind of just behind over yeah. and over again as opposed yeah. to being proactive yeah and, and they that's used, and they used to be one of the of best it. clubs in the in the league at being ahead of all of that stuff they yep. you know, they used to be one of the best you know clubs in the league at getting green cards and uh getting out in front of problems and I, that's why i said you know uh a bit ago that i really think that you know i really think that the plan was to to be able to rely uh, a lot more heavily on um on academy kids and uh and when that didn't really pan out um that, that it really caused them to sort of uh, change uh, their outlook and change the way that they handled business. And, and I don't think that, um, I don't think that they've, that they've really sort of, you know, recovered and gotten, gotten on track with a different plan uh, to this point. Cause, right. cause, I, I, cause I mean, ideally, you know, I, I, you know, it was my opinion, you know, I don't know, three, four seasons ago, that that's where the team was headed, right? The, the, and and they said as much. The whole plan was to have, you know, uh, uh, to have a, a, a bunch of depth pieces that were made up of academy kids, and and um, you know, it looked like last year that that was like you know going to come to fruition, and um, and then they those kids didn't end up playing, and and um, a lot of them got let go uh, or aren't playing or haven't played very much um, this year. And so uh, I think that, I think that maybe they misjudged um, the ability of their Academy to, to, to give them MLS quality players. And maybe that's because the quality of MLS has improved in the last couple of years. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's really sort of, it's really sort of changed the way that they approach business and, and uh, it might take them a while to dig out of it. Yeah, I think I, I don't necessarily have a problem with the roster construction if everyone's available. But that's the problem is the people behind the quote unquote starting 11. I do. I have a big problem with it, honestly. Well, I, I don't have a problem with the starting 11. Let me put it that way. There, like, no, I, I mean, there's no. Yeah. So I would agree with that. But, you know, I mean, we haven't had like an actual uh, backup um, um, uh, center forward since Eric Hurtado was here, you know, and it's like, okay, I mean, you, 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 exp you, you, if nothing else, Polito is in his thirties, you can't rely on 30 year old soccer players in a physical league like MLS to, 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 
go through a season without injury. And I realize that, you know, you have Kyrie Shelton, but give me a break. You know, I mean, you need like an actual, you need like an actual striker as a backup. Um, and, and for years and years and years, they did not have a competent backup at, uh, at the six, which is arguably, as we've talked about the most important, uh, uh, position in the whole system. And it's like, okay, well now it's biting you in the ass, you know, now it's biting you ass that the two most important players in the system, the, the striker and the six, you don't have competent backups for. And because of that, you gotta just like, you know, shuffle everything around. So it's a, yeah, it's, I, it's a problem of their own making and that's right. you know, that's but why that, I'm annoyed and that's why I think fans should be a little annoyed too. Right. And this is the point that I was making is like I think the sporting yep. director did a poor job absolutely of assessing the roster and making additions. I mean the 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 only place where they're strong is at center back. That's it. And that's only because they 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 brought in a whole bunch of uh, young well they've players. got two they've got two million dollars in two guys right yeah. and then they brought in you know like you have a Courtney Ford who wanted to come to KC because he's from here and he, he, it was his aspiration yeah. and then they spent a transfer fee to bring another guy in um, from what everything I can understand is that Kave Rod is still a ways away he you know had a good season a couple years ago. I don't know if you heard Benny Philhaber's um, interview, but they he did a press no. conference. He did a press conference last week, and they they specifically asked him, "Is like, does he get to decide where guys play?" And because Kave Rod has been actually moved to the six, and then yeah. his brother has been playing center back, and he's like, "Yeah, I get complete control over that." And he's like, "I also the only thing that we can, like, and then I get to go, you know, if I feel like somebody's really ready, I can, you know, talk to Peter and be like, "Hey, you really need to bring this guy up to the first team." And so far, that ha- that conversation has not occurred with anyone, including the low knees. And I'm like, oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, but anyway, the the fact of the matter is, um, the the team is flawed structurally. Yep, that's just all there is to it, and that's on the chief soccer officer, who is also yep. the head coach. And I think that that's the part that is the most concerning. And I don't know what you do. Can you bring in a VP of personnel or something like that? I don't know how he would deal with that. Yeah, you that's, know, Jay, I, that's Jake Reed and Mike Illick's problem, to yeah. be completely honest. Yeah, but not... um, but I, I think that, you know, this shows a gap in um, – I. I, I wonder if the league is getting past him a little bit. Yeah. That's all it I'm happens, concerned about. It happens to everybody, you know? Right. I don't think as a coach, I don't think as a coach it's getting past him, but I do think from as a, as a technical director, it's getting past him or a sporting director or whatever his, whatever his title is. We, we've, we've predicted or, or his demise has been predicted by other people uh, many times. So um, he might still pull a rabbit out of a hat this season. I hope so. I hope so too. I just want a team that's like not so grim to watch. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I can say about this Dallas game is it's likely to be really frenetic. Yeah. Because Dallas is because of Dallas. Yeah. Because yeah. Dallas, <laughs> Dallas likes to get on the counter attack. 
and they're I'm, very good I'm at it. I'm very excited to watch Dallas. I'm not going to lie. And as I told you before, this is going to be my my first like actual full game at at uh, Children's Mercy this season. And I'm um, I'm actually really happy that it's going to be Dallas. They're a fun team. Yeah, they are. And I they don't have, know if they're I don't know if they're going to be good like overall good this year. Right. But they are a fun team. Yeah, and they're uh, they're interesting too. And I I you know. I like teams that are fun and interesting, and uh, I'm I'm excited. Logan Adenbe is in for a uh, a shift against Paul Ariola. <laughs> I don't think he's ever seen a guy who works like this. It'll be no. interesting to see how he deals with it. He got into it with Yao Yaboa a little bit in the Columbus game, but uh, Ariola is a whole different animal. Um, and yeah, as I put in the notes here, Alan Velasco versus Graham Zusi. That is. The thing nightmares are made of. <laughs> um, <laughs> thankfully, hopefully, it, it you know, I, I would be very surprised if Courtney Ford is not a right center back for this match, given EC's injury and how well he played last week. So yeah. um, I, I expect that there will be some helpful uh, cover there, but that dude's going to have to do a lot more running than he did against Columbus, I promise. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, you know, whoever plays, whoever plays the right eight, you know, hopefully they'll – uh, they'll provide a little bit more cover as well. I assume it'll be Voltaire, and um, that would be a reason not to start Cam Duke over there. To be completely yeah. honest, yeah. Um, yeah, you would probably need someone a little bit more positionally aware um, for that. So I, I actually would that would make sense to me. So if you can make two subs, this is the last question: two subs from this last week's starting lineup. Who's is it? Who is it? So so um, are we? Are we counting? Uh, are we counting uh, Volador as a as a sub? No, we're not counting Volador as a sub. He came on the fifth minute, so no, we'll count. We'll we'll call him. He played eighty five right. minutes. Uh, so my sub would be uh, Voinovich uh, for Shelton, and uh, I would go ahead and do roll with uh, um, Hernandez over uh, Roger. Yeah, we're the same. That's exactly what I would do. Hmm. I don't. I don't. I don't want to flip the midfield, and I don't think that we're not going to see a structural change. Yeah. It's much more likely that Fanta sits on the bench again. than there's a, I would like, at some point I would like to see uh Johnny start uh, for shallow. start on that, at that left uh, wing spot and see what he can do uh, in that spot. Um, because, because I really think that um, I really think that given, you know, given Vermees's preferences, I think that they, you know, obviously would prefer to stick with the system that they've always ran. And, uh, and there's not, you know, there's not room for Chonis to play, you know, I think the eight in that uh, as the eight slash 10 in that role. So um, I would love to see him get a run out at, at one of the wing positions. Maybe it lights a fire under Shelly. I actually thought about that this week. Yeah. Is like maybe it's the right time for Chonis to start over there and Shelly yeah. comes off the bench. And, you know, then you have a guy who can come off the bench and do a job. Yeah. Right. And um I don't know that I'd want Chinese and Voinovich both starting that match. I think that that's that would be point. problematic. I, I as much as it I dislike, nice. as much as I don't want Shelton being at center forward because he's not a center forward. The reality of the situation is, is that some basic understanding of structure should be there. Yeah, and I do think a Hernandez Chinese in Denbe left side is intriguing. Yeah, and you know, I I, I think I wish uh, I wish that Voinovich would. He hasn't really shown, um, you know, a good relationship with any buddy he's been on the field with. When and, was he supposed to do that? Yeah, no. So, so I, I absolutely agree with you. But I mean, him and him and Chonis have played together, and um, 
you know, I, like I just hope 10 I, minutes at a time. I just, I, I know Drew, I, I just hope that, um, like, cause that's what you need, right? That's that, that a relationship, um, a relationship at the, in, in the attacking third, um, can, um, that can create a lot of chances that the system maybe isn't providing. So, you know, if we had uh, some players who really uh, started to work well with one another, I think it would, uh, uh, it would really help. Well, and maybe for all we know, they are training together. Uh, yeah. That was one thing that Ford talked about is like in the post game was like when Volador came in, um, he they were they asked him was like, was this were you able to kind of get into the game quickly? He's like, yeah, we train together all the time. That's like, good. We're always in a pair all the time in training. So it was actually a relationship that we we're able to get together and communicate pretty quickly. So if Voinovich and Chinese are on a similar training group a lot, then maybe that that partnership has blossomed more than I'm aware. Um, anyway, we've been talking a lot. Y'all are probably sick of hearing from us. Um, Dallas will be, I mean, I don't know what it'll be, but um, I'm concerned that they might get smoked, which means probably a zero zero draw again. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, at this point, I think, uh, I think honestly, very honestly, I think fans should be happy with zero zero draws, um, even if they're at home. I think that um, I think that the most important thing is uh, is for the 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 team to kind of get their land legs about them, and that's uh, that starts with uh, clean sheets and good defensive performances. So, Listen I, I, to Peter Vermees. When did he join the <laughs> podcast? Hey man, I know that I know that you know you build you build from the back forward, and uh, the most important thing is um, is defense. Uh, I was you, very you, happy. You, with you're not going to win squat without a good defense. I was very happy with the back four and how they played this past weekend. So yeah. if that's the same back four and they play the same way again, yeah, I mean, it's a building block for sure. Um, you just hope that some of these games turn into three points sooner or later, because otherwise you're going to get yourself in such a hole that you can't climb out of it. So, yeah, I, you know, uh, and when I say that, I just want to be clear that I, at this point, I am, I am skeptical of the team even making the playoffs. Uh, I think that this is probably just going to be a super whoa. rebuilding team. I, I'm not predicting it. I'm just saying, you know, uh, it's just, it's hard to see, um, you know, it's just hard to see um, a light at the end of the tunnel in the attack. Um, and, um, and so, you know, even if you're, even if you're um, winning or tying games um, zero to zero, um, you're not going to be getting enough points to, to sort of uh, move into um, a playoff position. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I would really hope to be, to be wrong, honestly. So, well, we will see. Yeah. We will see. I we mean, will. I'm hope again, the same thing I've been saying for a month. I'm hoping for progress. We did see a little progress last week. I will say that the progress was there. I want to see a little more. Um, I guess we're just going to have to be patient and that's just the reality of the situation. And uh, hopefully that is what we see this weekend is a little more progress with the team. It's going to be a completely different experience. Yeah. Um, the opponents much more dynamic offensively and very good on the counterattack. So we'll just have to see how sporting deals with it. Um, again, we appreciate y'all listening for almost an hour and 50 minutes now. So um, we're going to let y'all go. Until next time, I'm Drew. He's Cody. We'll talk to y'all soon. Bye-bye.